What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben Smooth Ride Bowling. Smooth Ride. I like it. Yeah, usually, uh, usually I like to... Uh, ask our super producer Noel Brown for a uh, nickname or two, but today I think I'm going to take a nickname because you know, remember how I used to have these uh, part-time jobs on and off, these oh, gigs, yeah. back when the economy was really rough? Well, I'm uh, I'm doing some other stuff now, right? I'm Again? A, yeah, I'm a, I'm a waiting room Muzak consultant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... So it's like, you know, it's a question of more like not so much what kind of music we're playing, but how smooth is the jazz? I request muskrat love. <laughs> you always, you're the guy who writes in and requests <laughs> muskrat love. Scott, people don't want to hear that at the dentist office. They don't want to hear that at all. But the reason I'm getting this uh, this fictitious part-time gig going again is not because I'm in dire straits financially, but because I'm saving up, Scott. I want to get a luxury car, and that sparked a question uh, that... You know, that you and I have been kicking around for a while. And yes. What exactly is a luxury car? Oh, uh, well, that's the thing. I don't know if we're going to be able to define that today. And that's the problem that I don't think there is a strict definition of luxury car. Now, remember when we talk about muscle cars, we talk uh, about, um, you know, other types of vehicles, sports cars, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There, there are strict definitions that, that those vehicles have to, to meet according to some groups. Right, you know, yeah, some, yeah. A lot of arbitrary groups out there that, that say it has to be this way. This is the, the strict definition of a, a pony car. That's a great example. Or a muscle car mm-hmm. or um, a family sedan or whatever. I don't know. Sure, there's, sure. There's a hot a hatch. Of, yeah, hot hatch. Exactly right. Warm hatch, whatever. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, there is no strict definition of a luxury vehicle. And this is a... Uh, uh, this is kind of the problem because there's there's an even more blurred line now between what we call, I guess, mainstream or ordinary cars. I don't like to use ordinary or regular terms, but let's say mainstream cars and luxury cars, and that's that's grown even more blurry in the recent past because sure. you know these uh, the luxury features that are available on some of these mainstream cars, and then there's also the added confusion of luxury sports cars. Right, yeah. Are are those 
also should they also be considered luxury cars? Yeah, I mean, how how often have you seen a list of of uh, you know the, the most luxurious cars in the world, and uh, there's a Bugatti Veyron on it, or there's an, a Lamborghini Aventador on it? They're very expensive. They do have a lot of features. I understand that, but those are sports cars to me. I mean, to yeah. me, that's a, that's a sports car, and I understand. You know that that there's exclusivity that comes with all this, but that's that's part of what we're going to be kind of talking about today, and just kind of uh, trying to figure out. And there's there's a lot of uh, I don't know, there's a lot of press right now about what is a true luxury vehicle and uh-huh. what what should we be calling a sport luxury vehicle? What's a luxury sports car? Right. Um, is uh, is that new Hyundai? Is that a true luxury vehicle, or is it something that goes along with the brand? Right. I mean, like yeah, like the Mercedes S Class. That's what that's a luxury car. But what about the E Class? Does that not qualify? Does that not make the cut? Yeah, these are all things that we're going to talk about. I mean, I've got a bunch of questions here, and I don't know if I'm going to answer any of these as we talk <laughs> about it today. But but my questions were, I mean, just think about this. If you want something to ponder here at the beginning of the podcast, yes. Is is luxury based on the experience plus the product, or is it just the product, or is it just the experience and not so much the product? Can a product be better than the brand itself? I mean, that's a, that's another thing. Is there is there one standout in the brand that that, uh, uh, that puts it into that category? A diamond in the rough. Yeah. Is a, is a how about is the brand name itself part of the luxury? Um, is is luxury social? That's another thing too. I mean, uh, yes. Is it is it meant to impress others hmm. more than just being luxurious? By itself, um, is it all product? Maybe I mean that's something we kind of already talked about: experience versus product. But sure. what about what about quality, beauty, safety, comfort? Are all those part of the luxury experience, or, or can you do with you know maybe only two of those, mm-hmm. or um, you know some some I guess variation of that? Uh, it's it's weird. There's no strict definition of, of this thing, but as a lot of people like to say. You'll know it when you see it. Yeah, it, it reminds me very much. This conversation reminds me very much of an, an episode that happened between uh, the United States legal system and the publishers and marketers of the James Joyce book, Ulysses. And they were discussing whether or not this book contained obscenity. Hmm. And it, and this, uh, this court case resulted in one of those, well, you know it when you see it kind of things. And I always think about that when we have these, these sort of, uh, blurry is the word you used. I, I would say kind of subjective, uh, feelings or definitions about, about a certain thing. Like, okay, one thing we know for sure is that luxury does not necessarily equate to just technology. Just bells and whistles aren't good enough. True. Right? Cause there are a bunch, there are a bunch of cars that have a super boatload of amenities. But they're not luxuries. Oh yeah, you can you can get a fully loaded. Uh, I don't know. I'm gonna just pick a car. And sure. I, I don't know if this truly has it or not, but let's say a Honda Fit. Yeah. And you, so it's a, a relatively low end Honda vehicle. Uh huh. I'm an economy car. It's got everything. But but you're gonna load it up. You're gonna put everything that's available into that car. That has. I, I can guarantee you that those features are features that were found in luxury cars. You know, 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. That were only found in luxury cars 20 years ago that were options, expensive options. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about that so many times, the trickle down effect, you know, of, you know, the the way that, you know, power windows, power locks, whatever it was. Heated seats. Yeah. I mean, rear defroster, even things like that. (laughs) Air Um, conditioning. Yeah. I mean, just more than two speakers in the car. Yeah. Um, with some of them have, you know, Mm -hmm. some of these cars now have nine, 10, 12 speakers, whatever. Um, you know, that's that's part of their premium package or whatever, but I bet you it won't be long before that becomes part of the standard 
audio package in a lot of cars. And that's right. just the way it works. Yeah, it always it always seems to trickle down in in the car buying world. So if you want to know what the economy cars of what did you say, Scott? Five to five to twelve years from now we'll have mm-hmm. look at the luxury cars today. Uh, and that is that stuff is going to later be in like we're one thing that's happening now would be uh, onboard cameras. Right. Definitely. That's, yeah. a, that's a big example. But luxury vehicles, it appears to be um, since it's not technology centric, it appears to be more about the integration or the ease of using that technology. Yeah, that's it's true. not supposed to be work to drive a luxury car. That's exactly right. Yeah, you're right. Luxury is something that goes above and beyond what you on the most basic level need, right? So it seems that any car really is is it's technically a luxury. It's a luxury to have a car, right? Oh, that's true. That's a good so, point. Uh, I don't know. It, it, there's there's this weird way you can you can look at it in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And some people say, well, no, that's definitely that's definitely a luxury brand. I know that's a luxury brand. So sure. whatever they create has to be a luxury vehicle. That's not necessarily true either. That is, that is, and it makes waves too. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm just thinking one off the top of my head right now. Yeah. What was the, uh, the, remember the Aston Martin? Mm-hmm. Now that's kind of a sports car, luxury car mix yeah. up as yeah. well, right? Yeah. They make that vehicle that's called the, the Signet, I believe. Uh, yeah, it, but it's, uh, it's not spelled like the word Signet. It's, uh, C-Y-G-N-E-T. Yeah, I think. And didn't yeah. it mean like Swan or something like that? I, I don't remember exactly what it meant, but anyways, it's, it was, it was basically, it was a Toyota IQ mm-hmm. or, uh, yeah, a Toyota yeah, IQ, Toyota that's right. IQ so dressed really up a tiny little car. And I think you had to own an Aston Martin before you could buy one of these. Right. That was the rule that went along with this. It was a, a strange little vehicle, but is that a luxury car? Because it's branded or badged in mm-hmm. Aston Martin. And that's yeah. part of the problem, I think, is that some of this rebadging that, that manufacturers are doing or carryover of parts. And I know they've done that since, you know, the beginning of automobiles, sure, really. Yeah, of course. Mostly. Um, that, you know, the, if, if there's a parent company and they make certain products that, that can then be adapted into the, to the luxury market, I suppose, if they, if they add, you know, plusher seats or mm-hmm. more amenities of mm-hmm. some kind, you know, luxury features to that basic vehicle that they already have, you know, a platform already in place. Is that truly a luxury car when they do that, or is that just rebadging? I mean, I know in some cases they're really adding a lot of value to the vehicle by doing that, but not all cases. But not all cases. You're right. Yeah. So that that's a good point. So we've got we've talked about like it's not technology; it's the way you interact with technology. We've talked about um, whether it is just the name, which I I think it, it has to be the name and and the product. I I don't think like it. Just the name will carry over because we have seen some experiments with this stuff, uh, even going outside of the world of automobiles, right? Mm-hmm. Where you get, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but okay. you, you get like a, uh, an item, a luxury amenity along with your purchase of the vehicle, like your own set of luggage that's branded for the oh, car. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what you but, call that. But you know what I mean? Like those kind of additions again, you get this watch. Yeah. Uh, that, that is, uh, supposed to be part of a package because they're selling, you know, this, uh, Ferrari or Lamborghini experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are more, again, luxury sports cars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And see, that's, that's part of the whole problem here. I mean, when, when you buy a Ferrari. Okay. You're not buying that because it's a luxury car. It's a luxury to buy a Ferrari. Sure. But you're but... buying it because it's a sports car. But then 
someone will say that that is a luxury sports car. And it, that's that's the way it's classified now. Oh, yeah. And we should talk about those lux- those luxury classifications because there are a couple. They change across countries. One is uh, one is the compact segment, right? Like the luxury compact. Compact luxury. Compact luxury. When, when uh, you know, uh, adult-sized luxury is too much. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's not child-sized luxury. Uh, this is a... This is a U.S. kind of thing, um, but in Europe it might be known as like a compact executive car, okay, or something. Um, and then there's an. Oh, Wait, let me yeah. let me ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. So you're maybe talking about like when Lexus puts out like a hatchback or something like that. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, Cause that's, yeah. Because that's that's I think one of the examples that I read in one of the articles was the uh, I can't remember. It's like the CT 200H. Yeah. I think it's a hybrid. And yeah, the Lexus um, CT. Yeah, C, yeah, the CT. Okay, uh, so so it's a Lexus. But it's a hatchback. It's not right. necessarily like you know their their big stately Lexus vehicles that they that they sometimes put out. Mm-hmm. You know the big sedan type cars with the plush ride and everything. It might be smooth inside, but yeah, it's not like the great big four door sedans that are that are cushy and it's like sitting on a big couch when you're <laughs> right. riding down the road. Like I, the, I don't mean to be disparaging to them. I mean that's that's a compliment in, right. the, in the luxury segment is that it's a comfortable ride. Yeah, but I don't know if you get that experience in the in the CT. As you same experience as you would in another product of theirs, another Lexus feed. Yeah, that's a great point. Another example would be like the Audi A3, which uh, shares a lot of stuff with the Volkswagen Golf. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's then they have uh, what would be called like the midsize uh, or just the regular executive cars, and this would be stuff like um, like the Lexus GS. If we're going to stick with Lexus, okay, you know, uh, but the this. The stuff that we're really looking at that I think we should focus on when we define what is a luxury car, both of these sections can get um, a little bit blurry, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as as you said, the high-end luxury or the full size, the grand saloons, you know what I mean? Sure. The, the cars of sheiks and princes. Well, what about – okay, you, you said Lexus yeah. and you're, you're talking about them, but uh, there are also a lot of uh, the Toyota product line that, that match – what the Lexus has as well. It's just a, it's a badging issue because that's true. Because yeah. Lexus is the luxury division of Toyota. If you want to look at it that and way, and that's I mean, part of the brand, right? The experience, the social aspect. Yeah. And, and okay. I'll, I'll, I look at this list of, of who owns who and, you know, luxury, luxury and sports car brands, that kind of thing, right? You know, like the parent company and then the offshoots, you know, the companies that they uh, also yeah. own that they purchased along the way, along the decades of, of automotive history, right? And for example, BMW owns Rolls Royce, and I don't know if a lot of people really know that, but you know both of those, you know, uh, manufacturers put out quality product, put out know. ultra luxury cars. Yeah, yeah, they're they're luxury. They're also BMW is is more towards the sports car side of it, you know, towards the driving experience side of right. it. Rolls Royce is more towards, um, you know, the uh, the overall plushness, the the experience of of owning a Rolls Royce, and and you know the dealership experience and all that. Um, Fiat owns they own Ferrari, they own Maserati, among other things. Ford Motor Company owns the Lincoln brand. I'm going to talk about the Lincoln brand in just a minute. Ah, I'm here. glad you are. Um, General Motors owns Buick and Cadillac. Those are both uh, Buick uh, yeah. entry level luxury. We'll call that. Sure. See, here's another one: entry level luxury. Right. Um, a warm hatch. How about <laughs> Honda and Acura? Now, yeah. Acura is technically the luxury brand of of Honda. However, I mean, do you? It's, okay, sure. I understand. It's a nice car. It's expensive. It's got a lot of nice features. It's plush. But do you consider an Acura a luxury vehicle? Absolutely not. Okay. What about, um, okay, well, Hyundai, who's kind of new to this game, which we'll talk about in a minute right. also. They own Kia. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Tata Motors, you know, the, the India yeah. company from, from India, um, they own Jaguar and Land Rover. So, you know, that's, those are high end vehicles. Yeah. I mean, there's some plush vehicles in both of those, both oh, of those sure. lines. Uh, Daimler AG owns Mercedes Benz, of course. Then, uh, Nissan owns Infinity. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Toyota Motor Company owns Lexus like we just talked about. Volkswagen owns Audi, Bentley, Bugatti, Lamborghini, and Porsche, all which make, uh, I guess we'll call them luxury sports cars. Right. Um, well, Bentley makes I, Bentley makes regular, I would say, orthodox luxury cars. Yes, yes, like, I agree. Uh, like what? Uh, kind of along the lines of Rolls-Royce. Yeah, yeah. What was the, uh, there's... Is it the Mulsanne the, that you're thinking oh, of? Oh, yeah, the Mulsanne is, is yeah, the, like the flagship. But there's also, uh, there, there are these quotes where people often group... Uh, Rolls Royce and Bentley together, and they say, you know, well, you guys, you guys make very expensive boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's I mean? true. It really is true. But you know what? They're so comfortable. They're so powerful. And, the, and you know, they're they're pushing the horsepower of some of these sedans. Like you can get Mercedes now that have V12 engines that have 671 horsepower, or 651, or whatever it is. Uh, is that really is that is that becoming more of a sports car, or is that still part of the luxury? Uh, yeah. aspect. I mean, is it saying that you've got power to spare? Because Rolls-Royce and, and Bentley, 
Mm-hmm. Those make some, they have some incredibly powerful engines. I yeah. mean, again, six, yeah. seven hundred horsepower in these things. Let me, yeah, let's just talk just for a second about the Mulsanne, just to show like the the ultimate, you know, high end, inarguably a luxury car kind okay. of thing, right? Yeah. And we're not saying it's the best. It's just one that is clearly not anywhere near blurred line. So this thing has uh, a V8, right? It's got um, 752 pound-feet of torque, <laughs> and and uh, so you can pull a stump out with it yes, if you have to. Right? You could if you, which I'm sure a lot of Bentley owners do. Yeah, sure, with a chain. Right. Um, it it takes them 12 weeks to build it though, and there's there's a lot of customization here, and that I think Scott is a big mark of a luxury car. How long did you say it takes to build one? 12 weeks. 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Well, because they have, uh, they, they have a build rate of about seven to eight hundred, uh, per year and it sold out for two years when it came out. So 2010, you know, it debuts and then sold out till 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an exclusive vehicle because, uh, uh they limit the amount that they put out because they can't put out that many. Right. Because they're all hand built and, and crafted, finely crafted. And I would say, yeah. Exclusivity is a big part of it. Well, that's the, that's the other thing is that, you know, if there's a factory that's just cranking these out one after the other, mm-hmm. is that, is that luxury? I mean, I, I've got a lot of questions. I don't really have a lot of answers today. I mean, I know that's the problem, but there isn't a strict definition. And that's, that's just why we're talking about this. Yeah. Because these, these blurred lines, as we keep, we keep saying blurred <laughs> lines, but it really is confusing. It's um, foggy. Yeah. Well, if everybody can have it. Then it's not a luxury. Okay, that's one, just how the market works. One thing I did want to get to, and I, yeah. I I've still have uh, more to cover here, but and, and we won't spend too much time okay. on this. But I saw something. Uh, this is a while back, maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. I saw something in Autoblog, and the title was "Lincoln Not True Luxury Yet," says Ford Design Chief. Oh, Jay Mays, right? Yeah, Jay Mays. So, so here's <laughs> the guy from Ford, the head, you know, the head design boss guy at Ford. Who is in charge? You know, is is seeing over the Lincoln brand as well. He's saying that um, the Lincoln brand, or he said that the Lincoln brand is not yet true luxury. Now, I know that the Lincoln brand has been around a long time. I mean, I want to say that uh, when was it? Back in like the early nineteen teens, I think. Right. Yeah. Is that right? I, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I, I'll have to check my facts on that. But um, he says that, and here's part of the comment. And this is why he says it. He says every brand needs to have DNA and a unique selling point. And things in that vehicle that make you think that uh, that that's a particular brand, like that's right. that's exclusive to that particular brand. But he's saying that they're still using a lot of the the Ford products to create the the uh, the quote new Lincoln because you know they had this kind of rebirth, right? Yeah, yeah. They, Not they a perfect back. rebirth. Yeah. So they, they've been around since uh, again. Yeah, nineteen seventeen. Uh, Lincoln Motor Company is founded. Okay. So they've been around a long, long time, yeah. and uh, they had a, a fantastic past. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of luxury vehicles created throughout, you know, the, the decades, and a lot of luxury uh, vehicles patterned after their success. Too. Sure. And then they went through some tar- some tough times. Oh yeah. And uh, kind of uh, almost went away, really. Right. And then they were reborn again. I guess a few years ago. Remember all those ads that was like the new Lincoln and yeah. uh, the new, the new brand new products that they were going to come out with, right. and they did. But when you when you look at um, you know the, take for example the MKZ uh, right now I think the, uh, the the guts of that the you know the um, like the mechanicals the, yeah yeah exactly it's a, it's basically um, a Ford Fusion yeah underneath and true. it does have a lot of Lincoln parts that you know make it unique Lincoln but it's not sure. entirely 
a Lincoln product. And that's what Jay Mays is saying. He's saying that there's kind of this maybe even a 10-year cycle that the, that Lincoln brand is going to have to go through before it can be considered a true luxury vehicle. And some people call that optimistic. Well, true luxury brand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and when you say optimistic, they're saying it's not 10 years. How long do they say it might take? Uh, 30 years before it can really be back in the luxury class because right now it's missing exclusivity. Okay. Okay, I get it, I get it, but yeah. man, you look at that, that MKZ is such a, a great looking vehicle. I really do like that. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's a flagship. It, it's definitely different, and they've got, you know, the, uh, the four, okay, here, here we go again. The MKC, which is, again, another exciting vehicle from, from, I don't know if I want to say exciting, maybe not exciting. It's a, it's an SUV. Yeah. From Lincoln. The MKC, and a lot of people, we have listeners that write in, they love theirs. They oh, have yeah. It. They speak uh, highly of it. But it's a Ford Escape-based vehicle. Uh-huh. And it's not truly a, a Lincoln vehicle, Lincoln loan vehicle. And I understand why Ford does this. I get mm-hmm. it. They're trying to, trying to, you know, strengthen the brand and they're investing in the brand. They're not, they're not giving up by any means. Right. They're going to continue working. You know, they're having a little bit of production issues or they had some production issues, but they're, they're getting things back on track. But, Again, Jay Mays is uh, not terribly optimistic about it when he's saying 10 years, maybe, and other critics are saying 30 years before the Lincoln brand comes back as kind of a uh, quote-unquote official luxury brand. Ah, ah, yes, my friend, but wait, there's one very important thing that we should mention. This is a Western discussion at this point, and... There's a very interesting thing that's happening in uh, some other parts of the world, in China and India, especially as uh, the as the average income increases. Right. As as people are uh, finding themselves with more disposable income and more market access to things, manufacturers noticed something weird when it came to China. A lot of brands that are seen as uh, maybe old or not as popular or square or on the way out uh, here in the States and in, in Europe are going like gangbusters overseas in China. Yeah, that's right, because uh, they love the Buick cars over there. Right. What? I mean, someone, uh, please, somebody explain that to me. Also, one of my friends showed me a, uh, this isn't just, you know, with uh, cars, Scott. One of my friends told me that uh, Paps Blue Ribbon, uh, which is uh, one of the, the cheapest beers around here, uh, is... It consider a higher end thing. And it, really, it's a high end drink. Higher right? end, yeah. Oh, okay. I okay. guess just the brand name carries some degree of cachet, and so this. Uh, They're not drinking it to be ironic or anything like that. I don't know if they are, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to ask. Okay, but uh, but you know, th- this is this is important to say because in the Lincoln conversation, especially. Uh, the Lincoln is at the time of that article is preparing to go on sale in China. Strange, strange days. Very strange. Yeah, it's interesting how how that all works out, though. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a market for everything, I guess. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. 
And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it does prove, you know, this one of the questions you asked before about this, this social aspect, Uh, like um, we see it again sometimes in clothing in the United Kingdom. um, I think it was Burberry or something Mm -hmm. uh, became popular with the uh, the the non aristocratic element. And uh, because of that, people stopped doing people stopped uh wearing this stuff no kidding and strange yeah furthermore i just got one more okay i, I know i'm just I'm, I'm going overboard with these comparisons but on the show brain stuff we looked at um we looked at studies of names this very uh interesting social pattern that takes place with names that could also take place with brands and it's it seems that we can trace the rise and fall of a name's popularity, a first name, right? Uh, if we like, if we see what people in a given year are naming their daughters or their sons, uh, base it and then look at their um, their income or their wealth level, and then we'll see that uh, people who are lower on that economic scale in later years start naming their kids those kind of names, which makes the people at the the top of whatever this measurement is. Stop naming their kids those names. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm going to have to look that up. So maybe that's what's happening. Like maybe there's a, a thing like that happening. It's an ebb and a flow that naturally happens, and uh, this is just the and, way it's working out right now. And made and, with luxury. And just so we're clear on this, before we move on, I want to, I want to tell you that I'm a believer in the Lincoln brand. I really I am. And I, and I feel like it's a luxury brand right now. I really do. Because those cars, I mean, especially the MKZ. I really, really like the redesign of that vehicle. Mm-hmm. If I could afford one, I would get one right now. <laughs> I'm kind of in the market, and I would, I would love to, but it's just a little bit out of reach for me right now. But it's a big swing. I, uh, I don't see the ten year thing. I mean, I understand that that's uh, you know the Ford boss guy saying that's what it takes, but and in thirty years, come on. I mean, I really think the global market is going to have an effect that uh, 
makes it less than 30 years for yeah, sure. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. But, okay, one last kind of, uh, one last document, I guess, that I wanted to do, talk about here, and it comes from an article that's, uh, that's, again, at this point, four years old. So it's, it's a little bit dated in the products that they mentioned, but the ideas that are mentioned in this article, uh, some of these are really evergreen ideas. Okay. And I don't know if we're going to have time to go through all this. We're kind of running out of time here, but I'll quickly try to summarize some of this stuff and, and just go through it quickly. Stop me if you, if you'd like. But the idea was that USA Today back in 2011, the end of 2011, so it's not that old, I guess, maybe three or four years old, um, they got together with uh, four luxury car executives or luxury car brand executives and sat them down at a roundtable and had a discussion about what makes a luxury vehicle. And mm-hmm. this is this is perfect because this gets the uh, you know the the inside impression of what it takes to be luxury. Mm-hmm. From the top execs of these companies, that's so, great. So, um, a few people that they talk they talk to they talk to Don Butler, who is the marketing manager for General Motors Cadillac brand. They talk to Brian Smith, who is the vice president in charge of marketing for Toyota's Lexus brand. They talk to um, Ludwig Villisch, uh, who is the I hope I'm saying that right is the president of BMW of North America, and Steve Shannon, who is vice president of marketing for Hyundai Motor America. And the reason Hyundai was invited to the table is because of their, at the time, brand new model, which was the Equus. And mm. I think I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird name. It's E-Q-U-U-S, I yeah, think. Yeah, you're saying And uh, they also have the Genesis sedan, which is another luxury vehicle. But right. I think they were mostly talking about the... Uh, the Equus, yeah. The Equus. Because it goes to the dealership, too, right? Yeah, exactly. So they, they, they wanted to um, explore the new definition of luxury, like what it takes to be... Uh, um, a luxury brand. And again, they, they, a couple of these things that they mentioned, the products are a little outdated because they're talking about stuff that's going to come out in 2012. Sure. But the evergreen ideas, you know, the, the things that they said that I thought made most sense were, um, you know, just some things that I highlighted here and we'll go through them. The, so just for instance, the Cadillac brand rep said, uh, the definition of luxury changed. Luxury was size, space, comfort, and presence, but now luxury is defined more by the feel of the vehicle, he says. And the Toyota rep said, uh, the difference isn't just in price. Luxury has to do with o- the overall experience, the car, the dealer, the reputation of the brand, and the satisfaction of owning that certain brand. Ah, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's like it has to do with your own personal satisfaction. When you get into the vehicle, you, you really enjoy driving that product. Uh, you know, the BMW rep said, um, it's all about emotion. Uh, that's what distinguishes a luxury car from the mainstreamer. And that makes sense from BMW because they're into the driving experience. Right. It's a driver's car. Yeah. Um, oh, Hyundai, this is an interesting take on the whole thing. They say time saved and hassles reduced are the essence of luxury appeal. So they're saying that, uh, you know, whatever is easiest for the customer is mm-hmm. a, is a true luxury. And it kind of, again, that kind of makes sense that they would, uh, they would say that. Now, the other, the other angle this whole article took was that, and it's not really a problem, but they call it a problem. The, the problem is that, um, luxury, Items are starting to creep into mainstream vehicles. So you might have a, a $20,000 economy car that mm-hmm. offers luxury options that were only available 30 years ago as an expensive option. So the exclusivity is watering down. Exactly right. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's all being, um, well, I guess watered down is maybe the best way to put it, mm-hmm. Ben. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's like you're, you're maybe not getting quite the exclusivity that you did before, mm-hmm. but you're able to afford the features that were at one time luxury that you saw as luxury, but now, Luxury vehicles have taken another step higher. I mean, 
there are luxury cars out there, Ben, that have night vision now. Did you know that? Yeah. They've got yeah. um, electrochromatic, uh, you know, sunroofs that, you know, you touch a button to uh, to dim them or, you know, somewhere in between, whether they're opaque or transparent. Um, just amazing stuff. Massaging front and back seats. Which sounds like a bad idea. Uh, yeah, it kind of <laughs> does, I guess. But, um, you know, the, the idea is that the the brand name can be tarnished by watered-down models. Right, and, yeah. As is the case with uh, with Cadillac, because... Um, remember they had the uh, the Cimarron back yeah. in, the, in the 1980s. Oh, oh yeah, Cadillac really suffered because of that, and yeah. other brands didn't have to come back from stuff like that. But um, Hyundai has never had to deal with that because it's brand new to the game. There, but that's another problem. I mean, is that it's not a well-established brand, and uh, if yeah. you're looking at a luxury vehicle, you might not necessarily think that you know you'd want to get a Hyundai. Right, Even right. Even it's a great vehicle. If you're in that market, you kind of want to be part of that long story, you know, the Rolls-Royce story, which is which is uh, just a, an amazing kind of journey that people feel like they're a part of when they own a Rolls-Royce. Yeah. Uh, there's there's another side to this, though, too. You can get you can get caught in the crossfire here. There's a great note um, from Butler that you mentioned earlier, you know, the, uh, with Cadillac. Uh, I just want to read this. He said, our heritage is 109 years. People think fondly of the Cadillac. The problem is, quite often, it's the same way they think about their grandfather. They love their grandfather, but they don't want to spend a lot of time with him, mm, which yeah. is just poignant. I understand what he's saying. There. Yeah. So it's 113 years now. Right. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I went through, I actually, you know, while we're talking about it, I went through and, and kind of laid out how many years all these manufacturers. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, good. So, so I found the uh, the dates from all these. Now, Cadillac, as you mentioned, was founded in 1902. That's 113 13. years now. BMW has been around for 99 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Lexus, 26 years. Mm-hmm. And then Hyundai, if you want to consider the, uh, the 1999 LZ, which was their first full-size sedan, which later became, became the Equus model. Yeah. Um, if you want to consider that as like their entry level luxury offering, they've been around since 1999. I think the f- company was founded in 1947. Yeah, so, but very different. So we're going to give them 16 years in the luxury market. Okay. I think that's being favorable. That is very so kind. So 16 years versus 113 years, you're, you're more likely to consider or to associate Cadillac um, or BMW being a luxury brand versus mm. Hyundai. Yeah. And, or absolutely. Lexus. Or, uh, you know, any of those. I, I mean, Infinity. All those brands that just kind of popped up are Acura. Well, because name recognition is such a big part of it and brand familiarity, mm-hmm. you know, the, the question is like, why am I spending this much money for a Hyundai? Ah, you know what I mean? Ah, but you know what? Let me tell you this. This, and this plays right into the Hyundai thing. And this is maybe the last bit that I want to cover okay. from this article. And I thought this was really uh, showing this is really, really telling, I guess. Um, the role of the dealer. And this is how the execs oh, yeah. talk about how the, the, the dealership experience plays into this whole thing. And we know the story of the Rolls Royce, as you just mentioned, you know, that you can go in and, and really design the whole thing from, from, from the, you know, bumper to bumper. Yeah. Anything you want is, is, it's, it's all just a matter of how much money you want to spend on the thing, really. Mm-hmm. Anything you want. So th- this is really the, the dealership experience for the rest of us, I guess. You know, how comfortable are they going to make it and, and what part does that play in it? Well, okay. So here's how they looked at it. Lexus, I'll break it down by, by brand. Lexus, um, they, the, the rep said, or the executive said, luxury is at least 50% of the dealer dealership and the experience. 
The luxury side is people that want to uh, come in and feel like their needs are being met at the dealership, and we work hard at that. So they're trying really hard to make people feel welcome to the dealership sure. and that, you know, we're going to take care of you no matter what it takes. We're Never make a hassle. Right. Exactly yeah. right. So Hyundai's experience is even even more extreme. Um, they say time spent at the dealership actually gets in the way of a luxury experience. So Hyundai lets them avoid it because Equus shoppers needn't even visit the dealership the car will be brought to their homes or offices for test drives and then picked up and dropped off for service. So that's one thing that's a, that's one thing that you can't get more of time. So they're they're time smart. conscious. Yeah, very time conscious. All right, and um you'll get to these last two. Cadillac says we offer the vehicle pickup and drop off as well, but there are people that want the relationship with the dealership as well. They want to they want to know that it's not just a transaction, you know, it's not just all about money. Yeah. The person they want to know that the person there actually cares about me. The person respects me. The person also looks out for me as well. Mm-hmm. So that's important. We'll proactively that. say like stuff like, "Hey, Scott, uh, you know, since the weather's coming in, we're going to go ahead and I know that you just dropped this off for a quick oil change, but we went ahead and detailed the car too." Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, Cadillac would it would be likely to happen there. Um, all right, the last one is BMW, and this is uh, the kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, he says. I would rather I would rather say being the purveyor of the ultimate driving machine that the product is more than fifty percent. So he's saying dealership's important, maybe a little less than fifty percent. Sure, it's mostly the product in this case right. because we we sell a driver's vehicle and that's what it's all about. Yeah, so, which the, is in line with what their their mission is. They say that it does. I mean, but it is it's a luxury brand. I mean, it really mm-hmm. is. And 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 I think somewhere in here they said you know. Someone who is going to buy a BMW is is perfectly fine getting a, a you know BMW the the M3 versus getting like the seven series which is a great big four door sedan right and they're not asking for a bigger car they know it's a luxury car but it's a luxury sports car and they're happy driving it they're not they're not wanting the M3 to grow to gigantic size right for yeah that, that plush ride they want it for what it is yeah they don't need a bunch of cushy bench seat. Lazy boy recliner type <laughs> interiors, right? Yeah, but you know, there's other BMW buyers that do want that, and they right. go into the the higher, you know, the higher number series vehicles. Uh huh. I get that. I, I I get the experience is different for all of these manufacturers, and and that's across the board. You know, the ones that weren't invited to this roundtable as well. <laughs> right. Um, they would all have different answers, and again, this is a little bit frustrating. And if there's no strict definition of luxury, you can't point to it and say that's lux- that's luxury because of this feature or because of that feature. It's more of a feel thing, and it's and it's yeah. based on your own impression. And management of these companies, let us be honest, Scott, management of these companies, uh, each group is defining luxury car in the way that makes their product seem the most luxurious yeah. by yeah. that so, definition. I mean, I hope we've got our listeners thinking a little bit about yeah, this. Like, yeah, what, yeah. What is luxury to you, and what's, a, what's, you know, the maybe you can help to clear up the lines, I guess, between mm. luxury car luxury sports car right or entry-level luxury car versus luxury car or um ultra luxury or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah is that like the only real luxury car i guess and i know this is just some people trying to reclassify a vehicle so that they have their own little tagline or their right. own sales approach or whatever but but what really does set apart luxury brands or luxury products for you what 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 makes it a true luxury and what matters the most to you about that right yeah and it could be the dealership it could Mm. be the product it could be uh you know the way it makes you feel when you drive it it Mm. could be the social aspect you know that uh the people 
admire you when you pull up into that car. You think yeah. that you think that they do. Uh, <laughs> when it you could pull be up your mo- monocle and your top hat. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're maybe you're just you know what. And there's nothing wrong with this. Maybe you're just really proud when you hand the the keys over to the valet and they see what car you're driving. Yeah, I, I mean, I I can understand the feeling behind that. But what is it about it that makes it feel like a luxury car to you, and what makes you proud mm. about owning that product? Yeah, uh, personally, I I see them when. I, Whenever I see somebody with a car like that, you know, I think of it as an investment because Mm -hmm. it lasts so long. The resale value can be great. And also, yeah, there is some cachet, but those companies are typically very good to their customers, Ah, too. Okay. Can be. And we'll we'll end it on this. But but think about like that that old Rolls Royce that we keep seeing at these shows around town here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing has dropped significantly in value. It's a mid 80s. (laughs) It's a mid 80s Rolls Royce, right? And it's probably. Oh, yeah. It's like early 90s. Oh, I don't know how much that thing costs, but. Um, it's definitely not worth it. It definitely dropped. Okay. Well, we have, okay. We have to talk about this for you real quick. Okay. All right. So, uh, so, uh, one of the shows we went to, uh, we started seeing the same Rolls Royce show up and I had always thought, man, it'd be amazing to get one, but they're so expensive. And it's a great car. And it's a great car. It's in great shape. And so Scott, you came back one day and said, well, you know, I, I actually, I looked at the prices of this. And, uh, when you told me the price, I was shocked. Yeah. It's a, it's like an economy car price now. Yeah. Or a little bit more, maybe. Which is, you know what, so maybe I am wrong there about the resale value on these. I just assume they're cars you can keep forever to the point where they become... Well, they devalue so much initially. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they've got such an initial high uh, price that they ask at the dealership. Mm. And then as soon as you drive off the lot, you know, the old story that, you know, it's, it loses yeah. 40% of the value or whatever it is. And then every year after, it starts to come down unless it becomes a collector's item or it's so rare... Yeah, that uh, you know you're you're left with one of only ten on the road or something, and then, so and it starts to gain in value. Yeah, yeah, or unless you know uh, four or five decades pass, right? And if you can keep it going that long, yeah, you know what? It probably will come back in value. Yeah, but uh, are you gonna hang on to it that long? I don't know. So let us know if you want to uh, learn some more about luxury cars. You can check out every podcast we've ever done, CarStuffShow.com. In fact, our very first episode was on luxury cars of the future. That's right, it which, was, which is kind of. Now, it's uh, way old. <laughs> but uh, but go easy on us with that one. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, write to us. Yeah, please. We have a lot of questions. We didn't have a bunch of answers, uh, but we want to hear what you think. Uh, so check out those. Remember those questions we asked at the top and write to us with your responses. We are car stuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.